let's get back to Homer's Iliad 2019, Lecture 20, Books 14, Part 2, and Book 15. We need to see Hera get up to no good. I need to make sure that the slides are on the right page. Let's go. Alright. As we know, there has been a giant battle going on down on the battlefield ever since Book 11, Book 12, Book 13, even now in Book 14. And we know that in Books 13 and 14, in particular 13 uh, is what I mean here, is that Poseidon came out either down from his mountain or up from his undersea kingdom and came out in the form of Thoas, Calchas, and an old man to help the Achaeans because they were struggling. As you recall, Trojan has had, or the Trojans under the leadership of Hector and also Deiphobos, Helenus, Aeneas, Sarpedon have had an excellent, excellent day against the Achaeans. That said, the Achaeans, with the encouragement of Poseidon, then pushed the Trojans back. And so, how did last time end? Oh, no, no, not going to get there quite yet. In any case, Poseidon has been down on the battlefield helping out the Achaeans. Who then sees him? Hera. Hera sees Poseidon on the battlefield helping the Achaeans, and she finds him quite pleasing. She's very happy to see that. She is obviously on the same side as Poseidon. They are both Achaean gods. You notice that because they're both rendered in purple here. Uh, and then she looks up to Mount Ida, the peak of Mount Ida, which is called Gargaros or Gargaron. And she sees Zeus, and he is hateful to her because obviously Zeus is helping which side right now? He is helping the Trojans, not the Achaeans. She's on the Achaean side, therefore she is uh, at a bit of an impasse with her husband. Yes. So... What does she decide to do? Well, clearly she wants to help the Achaeans and not help the Trojans. So she wants to do something to keep Zeus's mind off of the battle. Now, right now we know that he's watching the Thracians and the Mycenaeans and the Hippomolgoi fight off in some far-off land. But eventually his attention will return to Troy. How could it not? What possibly could Hera do to keep the attention of the king of the gods even more interesting to him than watching a giant battle with the greatest humans alive at this time. Well, she could use her womanly art to appeal to his senses. She could beautify him herself, anoint herself with olive oil, curl her hair, put beautiful earrings in. This is all described in lines 161 to 186. It is, uh, it is a description uh, similar, I would say parallel, to Agamemnon's description of him arming himself. It is as if she is putting on her armor, as if she is about to go to battle for her people. And how is she going to go to battle? Well, she's going to do it through a word called seduction. She is going to appeal to the physical sensations of her husband. She is going to appeal to his desire. She is going to make him long for her, and therefore think about her, and therefore lie with her. While he is doing that, he will not be focusing on Troy, and after he has done that with her, sleep will cast a drift, or will drift asleep about his eyes, and during that time, Poseidon will be able to help the Achaeans, and the Trojans will be defeated by the Achaeans. So is the plan of Hera. So we're going to spend some time looking at how she enacts this plan, and whether she is successful at it. So after she has beautified herself, she goes off to Aphrodite, the goddess of Amorous love, really the goddess of desire, uh, desire for someone else. So uh, the high school version of this, I would say, is like the, the goddess of 
crushes that come on you out of nowhere that are sometimes inappropriate. In any case, like, I don't know, your, be your best friend's girlfriend you find to be very pretty, even though that's very much wrong and you would never act on it, that sort of crush comes from Aphrodite, is the idea. In any case, Hera goes to Aphrodite. She asks whether Aphrodite will help her with something unrelated to the war. That's a very interesting sort of political moment. She says, Aphrodite, do you hate me because I'm on the Achaean side always helping them, and you're on the Trojan side always helping them? Obviously, uh, Aphrodite is very much a fan of Paris, as well as of uh, Helen under Paris's guise, and also of Aeneas, her son. Aphrodite says, no, no, no. I, I, you are the consort of great Zeus, of the son of Kronos. Since you are the queen of the gods, married to the king of the gods, I will certainly do whatever it is that you ask. Uh, also, I suppose Hera is also the mother, uh, uh, the stepmother of, of Aphrodite. Aphrodite is the daughter of Zeus, but is also the daughter, at least in Homer, of Dione, not of Hera. And so there might be a little bit of tension between these two, not to mention the fact that they also competed for the apple of Eris against each other, and Aphrodite obviously won. Hera asks to be made irresistible by Aphrodite. Because if she's irresistible, that means that Zeus, not even Zeus, could resist her, the king of the gods. And, well, there's a very particular item which Aphrodite has. It's called a zone. And the word zone means boundary. And so what is a boundary on your body? Well, there are a couple things. Something that bounds your body would be something like a belt. That's a zone but also a garter, like something that you have on your leg to keep a stocking or a sandal up. We think that this was not a belt, but sort of a garter that would have gone on her arm or her leg. In any case, whatever it is, it makes or it, make, it will make Hera totally irresistible. And it actually is described as having some very interesting things on it. I, I don't have this on the slides, so I'll have to look for it very quickly. And if I can't find it in about 10 seconds, I'm not going to spend too much more time. Okay, the curls, dose Aphrodite's. Okay, I'm seeing it right here. Okay, take this zone. All right. All right, Aphrodite says, lines 219 to 221, take this zone and hide it away in the fold of your bosom. It is elaborate. All things are figured therein, and I think whatever is your heart's desire, shall not go unaccomplished. Hmm. Ah, yes. And this is what is on the zone. 2.14. She spoke, and from her breasts unbound the elaborate pattern pierced zone, and on it are figured all beguilements, and loveliness is figured upon it. And the passion of making love is there, and the whispered endearment that steals the heart away even from the thoughtful. So very interesting. There are images on this zone. And there are images of beguilements. Beguilements are uh, ways to trick somebody. And loveliness. And passion. And whispered endearment that steals the heart away, even from the thoughtful. Very good. Very interesting. And so the very idea of the zone is that it is something that relieves you of your wits and has you no longer be thinking through things. Interesting idea there. In any case... How is it that Hera is actually going to get this zone from Aphrodite? Because even though she does ask and Aphrodite does say yes, obviously Hera can't say, I'm going to use this zone to put, Hera, uh, to put Zeus to sleep, or excuse me, 
to make Zeus love me so that he then lays with me, so that he then goes to sleep, so that Poseidon can help the Achaeans who will hurt the Trojans who you are on the side of. Oh, well, well, that's not going to work because Aphrodite's not going to work against her own interests consciously. Who would? Well, Hera comes up with a fantastic lie, a beguiling lie, and her lie is this. According to Homer, and this is not according to normal mythology, the parents of the gods were Okeanos and Tethys. Actually, it's the case that Rhea and Kronos are the uh, antecedents to these Olympian gods. Kronos was the god before Zeus, who was defeated by Zeus in order to be supplanted by Zeus, and Rhea was his mother that helped him to do it, because she was tired of Kronos eating all her children. But in this case, it is Okeanos, and Okeanos is where we get the word ocean. And the idea was that he was a river that encircled the entirety of the world, because uh, so the Greeks believed, like probably people who lived in San Diego believed, Long ago, when looking out at the edge of the earth, they saw what? Water. A giant ocean. And so they probably assumed that the water encircled the entire globe. And, you know, if you think about the spherical nature of the world, it is essentially true that water encircles the globe. Most of the world is water. It is an amazing substance. In any case, Okeanos is the god of the river ocean. And it is called a river because it supposedly circles the earth. He is married to Tethys, and supposedly Rancor has entered their relationship. Rancor means resentment. They don't like each other anymore. They no longer share the marriage bed. Well, Hera, as the goddess of marriage, is going to go help them, but with the help of Aphrodite. And so there's a very interesting allegory underlying that, that uh, one way to help a marriage is to increase the passion within it, seems to be the idea. And Aphrodite is going to help uh, Hera. There is a, an interplay between what they do. There is... Uh, how do I say this? If there were a Venn diagram with Aphrodite and Hera's provinces and what they help with, when it comes to marriage, they would definitely have some, uh, there would be some things that they work together on. They would be colleagues. They would be collaborators. In any case, that's a very famous picture of, the, of Aphrodite being born. Uh, according to some accounts, she was born from sea frog. Uh, her name, Aphrodite, actually comes from the Greek word afer, which means foam. So it's something that foams up. Something about foam is it has no substance. So maybe that says something about desire. In any case. Ah, Okeanos and Tethys. You can notice the, the nautical theme there because obviously he's a water god and so is Tethys. Very interesting. All right. So Aphrodite, as I said, agrees and gives the zone to Hera. Take this. I'm going to go through this fast. Take this and whatever I think is in your heart will be accomplished as I write to you. Apparently, I did put that on the slide. Good. All right, so now Hera has the zone. She is irresistible, but she needs to guarantee that after she lays with Zeus that he will actually go to sleep so that Poseidon can continue to help the Achaeans because that's the whole point of this plan. So she goes to get the help of sleep. Sleep's name in Greek is Hypnos. Yes, that is where we get the word hypnotize from. And if you're a Pokemon player, the Pokemon Hypno that can use the... Uh, technique hypnosis, which puts people to sleep. And so there you go. Uh, something else interesting about that is that sleep is considered the brother of death. Death is called Thanatos, similar to Thanos, if you're an Avengers fan, who is very closely aligned with death. And, um, well, Hera has worked with sleep before. And so let's lay out this situation. Hera goes to sleep and says, Sleep, will you help me to put Zeus to sleep. If you do, I'll give you a wonderful throne and footstool. Oh, made by Hephaestus of all people. And so, incredible, expensive, beautiful, ornate gifts. Sleep says, 
Uh huh. Well, had you asked me to put any other god to sleep, yes, would have been the answer. However, with Zeus, absolutely not. Why? Well, apparently Hera, in the past, the generation before, had asked sleep to put Zeus to sleep a first time. And during this time, this was when Heracles was alive, who was the son of Zeus, who was beloved to Zeus, Heracles was on the water, sailing to Argos. Well, what did Hera do while Zeus was asleep? Well, she gathered the clouds herself and caused a terrible storm, a terrible storm that, uh, that diverted uh, Heracles' ship from Argos to a place called Kos and killed all of his comrades. So he was put off course and all of his men were killed, all because Zeus was asleep. Zeus was so furious at this when he woke up that he apparently thrashed all the gods on Olympus, and chased sleep to the edge of night. Night is one of these goddesses in the Greek tradition we call primordial. There are the primordial gods that are like substances. Night, day, darkness, ocean. Then there are the titans, Kronos, Rhea, Iapetos. Then there are the Olympian gods, and then there are minor gods beneath them, mostly nymphs, naiads, uh, nereids, things like that. In any case, Night is one of these primordial gods. Not even Zeus messes with night. Because night is far deeper than what Zeus is god of. And so, sleep had to dive into night and to escape from her. I Actually, I really ought to have an image up here of night. There's a very beautiful picture of night called Nyx. Nyx is her Latin name. Um, I might get that for us just to see it. Because it, it, it's sort of haunting how beautiful it is. In any case, sleep has said, no, I'm not going to help you with Zeus. Last time he, I helped you, he almost beat me to a pulp and throw me, threw me down into Tartarus. I'm not going to risk that again, especially not for a throne and a very nice footstool, even if they are made by Hephaestus. Harris says, okay, she actually gets sort of impatient with this. She's like, what are you talking about? Okay, fine. This is what I'll offer you then. A throne won't do it? How about the woman that you've been in love with forever? <laughs> and the woman is a grace, and the grace's name is Pasithea. And so Hera, goddess of marriage, is offering the hand of marriage of a grace to, uh, to uh, Hypnos, to sleep here. Apparently, book uh, 14 is the, the book of amorous desire, but I'd say amorous desire, amorous desire, uh, loving desire, is a big part of the entirety of the Iliad. Recall, of course, the, uh, the reason the Trojan War started was because of Amherst's desire. Recall, of course, that the events that instigated the Iliad was because of, uh, in a way, Amherst's desire. A concubine was involved, at least, though it does seem like it was more of an honor issue. In any case here, sleep shows that he is controlled also by his desire. Though a throne would not do it, uh, he will risk utter devastation and danger for a woman. A goddess woman. And so, sleep agrees, and then he goes to hide in a pine tree as a bird. All right. <laughs> this is one of my favorite slides. It's one of the few slides that doesn't have artwork on it, just because it is so funny. Hera approaches Zeus on Mount Ida. And perhaps there's something deep underlying this, and, but also perhaps there's something very funny about it. He appro she approaches Mount Ida. She has the zone on, so she's irresistible. She has sleep and wait, so all she has to do is to seduce Zeus, or, in this case, to withstand the seduction of Zeus. You say, what does that mean, Mr. Schmidt? I say, well, when she goes to Zeus, she says, oh, I came by to see you because I'm going to go to the edges of the earth 
to uh, restore the marriage bed of Okeanos and Tethys because rancor has entered between them. Same thing that she said to Aphrodite. The trick, the lie, the beguilement. Sue says, mm, looking at her, seeing her so nicely done up, her curls, her pierced ears, her anointing with ambrosia, which is essentially like having perfume on. There's this beautiful zone on her with all these beguiling images. Wow. Hera looks stunning. She looks gorgeous. And Zeus, all thoughts of anything involving Thracians, Mycenaeans, or Trojans fall out of his head, and all of his thoughts are directed towards her and Amorous Delight. In fact, so much is he thinking about Amorous Delight that he uh, <laughs> describes all the several of the women he has cheated on Hera with and says, I have never, ever felt such desire for you, not even since the first time we snuck off and without our parents knowing, lay together in love, not even as much love and desire as I felt when <laughs> I lay with the wife of Ixion, Danea, Europa, Simile, Alcmene, Demeter, and Leto. Yes, those are seven women-slash-goddesses that he has cheated on Hera with, and his attempt at seducing Hera, who is irresistible to him now, involves him listing these women and the children he had by him, by them. Because whenever Zeus lays with somebody, they have a child. Because he is omnipotent, he is very potent. And so, you need to know, the women that he was with, one wife of Victim, we don't even get her name. We don't even get her name in the Iliad. But she gave him Parathos. You don't really need to know about Parathos. Now, Danaea. She very famously had Perseus. Perseus is the hero that took on Medusa. Medusa was a gorgon, which means a creature with snakes for hair, and whose eyes, if you looked at them, could turn you to stone. So he had to use a reflective shield that Athena gave him in order to, yes, very good, and order to slay her. Yes. And even after he cut off her head, sort of like a snake, her eyes could still turn people to stone. In fact, at some point, her head ends up in front of a bunch of uh, uh, abducting centaurs who are trying to steal the bride from a wedding. It's called the Lapis and the Centaurs. You can read about that in Ovid's Metamorphoses. And, um, and uh, her head is used to turn everybody who's still fighting to stone. In any case, Oiropa had the two very famous children, Minos and Radamanthus. What do you need to know about them? Minos is the first king of Crete. Crete is where Mount Ida is. Mount Ida is where Zeus was raised. And so... Human civilization was raised in the same place that Zeus was raised. And also very interesting, Zeus plus Europa equals the first king. Europa is the same name as Europe. It's like when the principles of justice entered a place called Europe, it became a new place called Hellas, or Greek. In any case, uh, Minos and Radamanthos, you'll see in the Aeneid again, they will be the judges of the dead. They are considered excellent judges of men, like Moses from the Old Testament. Um, and... Uh, you will also see Minos as the judge of the dead in the Inferno next year. All right, Simile had the god Dionysus. I'm going to tell you a weird story right now that I expect you to remember. Simile was a mortal woman. Zeus is a god. Generally, when a god lays with a mortal woman, does a god come from the coupling, or does a mortal person? Think of Sarpedon, think of Aeneas, think of Achilles, think of Heracles. Mortal or immortal? Mortal, of course. Well, what happened here? Well, Hera got jealous of this Simile woman. She said, hmm, Simile, you need to make a request. Showed up as an old woman to her. She said, you should ask Zeus, because I don't believe it actually is Zeus, to show himself to you in his full glory. And so Simile says, okay. And um, Zeus comes down, and he, she says, grant me a request. And it's always a problem when you just grant a request without knowing what it is. Never do that. 
And he says, okay, anything. Oh, my goodness. This happens multiple times in Greek mythology, several times. In fact, well, I'll tell you many of the times. And so she says, show me to, show yourself to me in your full glory. And he says, oh, that was the dumbest thing you could have possibly asked for. But okay, he shows himself to her. She explodes with a baby inside of her. Zeus then grabs the baby from his exploding lover, opens a hole in his thigh, puts the baby in the thigh, and sews up the thigh. This is the official account. And then, later on, Dionysus is born out of the thigh of Zeus, and apparently he's a god now, not a mortal. And he is the youngest of the Olympian gods, and he is also the most raucous of the gods. He is the god of the, wine, of the vine. He is the god of wine and drunkenness and revelry. And so he's the god of being in a frenzy. And, uh, well, he came from this too. Also, just something interesting to you, you might not know, Heracles is the son of Alcmene, and um, I always forget the name of his... His father, I always want to call it, uh, it's Amphitryon. Amphitryon, there we go. And uh, yes, Demeter had Persephone. Persephone, very interestingly, is a goddess who was uh, uh, connected with the, the, uh, the Eleusinian cult, which was the most famous religion of the Greek times. And uh, interestingly enough, Persephone was abducted by her own uncle Hades and made into his wife. And so these gods, they're very interesting characters. And then, of course, Leto had Apollo and Artemis. The basic idea here is that, is Zeus very seductive, talking about all the women he has been unfaithful with before he tries to lie with his wife? No. But apparently, Hera grits her teeth and says, okay. And then Zeus says, let's uh, uh, lay right here. Hera says, no. The gods could see me. Then how could I ever approach them again? Why don't we go back to my home? And Zeus says, don't worry. Olympus or Mount Ida has golden clouds around it. Uh, I'll just pull a bit in front of us, and nobody will be able to see through, even Helios. And then the next thing we see is that crocus and hyacinth and grass is starting to bloom beneath them. And I suppose that's supposed to be left to our imaginations what's happened. In any case, Zeus is then put to sleep. And so, after Zeus and Hera couple, fresh grass and flowers bloom on the earth, uh, 14, 346 to 351. Zeus then is put to sleep by sleep, Hypnos, and Hypnos then goes down to the battlefield to report his effort to Poseidon, who's disguised as an old man, say, Zeus is not watching right now, do your best, do your worst even. So Poseidon then fills the Achaeans with valor and says to attack Hector head on. All right, great, good situation for the Achaeans, for the moment, until Zeus wakes up anyway. And so... During this time, back to the mortals, we've seen quite a bit of drama amongst the gods recently. Odysseus, Diomedes, and Agamemnon recall that they are all injured. They arm up, because what else can they do? They see that the Trojans have broken through their wall. They see that they are in dire straits. Even though they are injured and cannot do much to help uh, the Achaeans through fighting, they are at least going to put on armor and try and help the spirit, the morale of the Achaeans. It's, it's the least they can do, and perhaps it's even the most they can do. The Trojans and the Argives then clash together in a roar. This fight is continuing to go on. All right, now, beyond the general melee, we have a second single combat between Aias and Hector. It's not an official single combat. It just happens to be combat that happens at the ships of Aias the Greater and Protosileus. Hector then casts his spirit Aias. Now, I want you just to keep this in mind, just how close Hector gets to ultimate glory here. 
Apparently, Ias has two leather straps over his chest that make an X on his chest. One is for his sword, one is for his shield. The shield would be carried on your back for the Achaeans, so you would have a, a, a shield belt, or a shield. The war belt that you had, or your strap, would keep your shield on, fixed on your back for when you had your spears that you were going to throw. In any case, all Ayas has defending his chest, which is bare, are these two leather straps. Apparently Hector's throw is so good slash bad that his spear hits right in the middle of both straps and does not go through. So had he hit anywhere else on Ayas's chest, he would have killed Ayas. And yet, he does not kill Ayas. And Ayas has the opportunity then to pick up a giant, jagged stone and to hurl that at Hector. Trojans have a hard time with these stones. And it hits Hector in the chest. He literally circles around. It hits him so hard. He's like, what? 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 And then falls to the ground. All the Achaeans cheer. They think that he is dead. He looks like he's dead. That was a huge hit. And he goes down. And in fact, five major Trojans immediately have to run to Hector because the Achaeans run to Hector to try and strip his body of his armor to defend him. This is a terrible situation for the Trojans. They were just in the best possible situation, breaking through the Trojan wall, or excuse me, the Achaean wall, and about to burn their ships, and now their leader has been terribly harmed. This is unexpected. And so Aeneas, Pulidamus, Agenor, Sarbadon, Glaucus, all the best of the Trojans, form about Hector and defend him. Well, they then do win that small battle, and they take Hector across the Xanthos, also called Scamandros by mortals. He vomits, but is still injured, and he's actually vomiting blood. And that will be the first thing that, uh, that will be one of the first things that Zeus sees when he wakes up. So, Hector has experienced a real uh, change of circumstance during the course of books 12, 13, and 14, and in particular book 14. Good. All right. Several Achaeans and Trojans get killed. I don't need you to know any of these, but I am going to tell you this. Ias the Lesser then kills Satnios. Pulidamus then kills Protheonor and brags about it. Ias the Greater then tries to kill Pulidamus because of him bragging about Protheonor, but instead it kills Archelochus. Ias then says that, hey, wasn't that a fair exchange? That's a pretty grisly exchange to be making, the death of one friend for the death of another. Penelaus then brutally kills Ilionius and uh, knocks his eyeball out. There's some very brutal kills in this book. Then cuts off his head and displays it to the Trojans. I mean, just imagine that. Look at this, and it's missing an eye, too, by the way. Pretty grisly. It's like Mortal Kombat in here. And so, you've got to imagine those creators must have read some Homer before they created some of those fatalities. In any case, 14.508, you get another invocation of the muse. And then at the end of book 14, you get the small detail that apparently Ias the Lesser killed the most people of all the Achaeans during the course of this battle because he's the fastest. Why does that help him kill? You're like, oh, because he can kill people fastest? It's like, ah, ah. Because when people retreat, he can catch them while they run from him and stab them in the back. And that is the idea behind this. When people try and retreat from Ias the Lesser, he catches them. Just because you run from danger does not mean that you escape it. All right, book 15, Zeus Awakens, and he is none too pleased with this situation. He has explicitly told the gods in book 8, you are not to go down to the battlefield. You may counsel the Achaeans, Athena, he said, but you may not directly interfere in the battle because Zeus knows what's going to happen. He knows fate, and he has agreed with Thetis to hurt the Achaeans, but not to have the Achaeans defeat the Trojans. So there's a very delicate balance going on here. He is 
going to honor Achilles. He is going to harm the Achaeans. He is going to help the Trojans, but only to a point, because of course the Trojans are doomed and fated to fall, so they can only be helped so much. And Zeus is really wondering why it is that the gods beneath him, who's, who do not know his plan, are not working alongside him. And perhaps that's <coughs> a leadership lesson for everybody right there. Insofar as the people under you do not know your plan, how can they help you? And so, the first two things that Zeus sees are these. Poseidon helping the Achaeans, eh, not something that he wants to see, very bad, uh, anger-inducing. And also, Hector lying on the battlefield, injured, vomiting blood. And so, these are two extremely upsetting circumstances for Zeus. The first thing he does, of course, lying right next to Hera, is accuse her of treachery. She obviously orchestrated this plot. What has she done? In fact, he reminds her of what the punishment to her was last time when she had sleep put him to sleep and drove Heracles off course from Argos to coast. In fact, the punishment was rather grisly. He tied anvils, which are what a smith works on. They're the things that say acne on them and fall on Wiley Coyote's head, if you've ever seen an old uh, uh, Warner Brothers cartoon. Well, he tied two extremely heavy anvils to her legs and tied her hands uh, apparently over the edge of existence so that she just stared at the nothingness of an abyss while being uh, basically ripped apart. And we don't know for how long he did that, but that was her punishment last time that she went against his will. And so she's got to talk really, really fast. And so uh, she does. Uh, Hera is very, very quick, very smart. Zeus says that even though you did all of that last time with Heracles, I just returned him to Argos, and just like you are uh, attempting to upset my will this time, I will put everything right, so everything you have done has been useless. But, swear to me, on the river Styx, the holiest of the oaths that the immortals can make, and remember that Hera also swore <coughs> on Styx to make the oath to um, sleep, that she would give him the grace Pasithea, if he put Zeus to sleep after they coupled. And, well, she did that. He says, swear on the river sticks that you did not convince Poseidon to help the Achaeans. And just something I want to mention here, a litigious bit, a legalistic bit, uh, something that a lawyer might say is this. What Zeus accuses Hera of is not exactly the appropriate accusation. Now, what he accuses her of is coming up with the plot that Poseidon is now enacting. Now, Hera is helping with Poseidon's plot, but who came up with Poseidon's idea to go onto the battlefield? Was it Hera or was it Poseidon? It was Poseidon. So who came up with Poseidon's idea to go down to the battlefield? Poseidon. Hera is now helping Poseidon be on the battlefield. But did she orchestrate the plot? No. But did Zeus accuse her of helping Poseidon? Or of coming up with the idea for Poseidon to be on the battlefield? Ah. He accuses her of one thing, not the other that she's actually guilty of. Which is, I think, very interesting. In any case, she says she did not convince Poseidon to help the Achaeans, which is true, even though she has been helping Poseidon help the Achaeans, but she's not accused of that, so she can't be punished for that. In any case, Zeus says that if Hera knew what he knew, she would summon Poseidon back, because she's actually going to get what she wants through what he's doing, even though it doesn't seem like it at this moment, which is sort of like how I would say the relationship between the teacher and the students are. You do a bunch of things you don't want to, that I make you do, and then you become something you want to be, even though you've done things that you didn't want to do. In any case, Zeus then sends Hera to get Iris for himself with the following message. 
Poseidon is to leave the battlefield immediately. You are to command him to do this. Apollo is to breathe strength into Hector, which means heal him, and then drive panic among the Achaeans and drive the Achaeans back to their ships. So, immediately, all the work that Hera has done is going to be obviated, uh, made, uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word right now, but is going to be made null. Well, one thing that she accomplished is that Aias the Raider injured Hector. Another thing is that the Achaeans effectively repelled the Trojans from the wall for at least a moment. They kept them from the ships. Aias the Greater and uh, Aias the Lesser mostly did this. But now, the Hector is going to be healed, the Achaeans are going to panic, the Trojans are going to be back at their ships. Hera has failed. Alright, well, how does, it, how does this still work for Hera, and how does this work for the Achaeans? It doesn't look like a very good situation. Well, Zeus prophesies. He says, well, you need to think in chains of events like I do. And this is what's going to happen. And this is going to start in book 16. Patroclus shall fight and kill my own son, Sarpedon. Then Hector, in response to that killing, will kill Patroclus. And then because Patroclus, the best friend of Achilles, is killed by Hector, Achilles will displace his fury from Agamemnon to Hector. He will re-enter the battlefield he will kill Hector, and that will be the beginning of the end. That will be the beginning of the fall of Troy when they lose their great champion forever. And so, Hera returns to Mount Olympus. There she talks to a goddess, supposedly a former wife of Zeus, the goddess of justice named Themis. She talks to Hera. She says, why do you seem so bothered? Hera says, oh, you know Zeus. He's always claiming to be the strongest and the oldest. And uh, that he can do whatever it is he wants uh, just because of that. And she seems to be rather upset that Zeus has uh, made null all the work that she put so much work into. Um, and so uh, she, she goes up to Ares and she's like, you know, even you. The thing is, you're not allowed on the battlefield, even though in the most recent book, she doesn't say book, but it is in book 14, your son, an Achaean, Ascalaphos, he just got killed and you're not allowed to go avenge that. Well, Ares supposedly takes the flats of his hands Hits his thighs and stands up. I think that's an excellent gesture. You'll, you'll actually see that happen uh, with Immortal soon as well, Odysseus. Hits his thighs, stands up, and says, that's it! I'm going to mount my chariot. Fear, terror, put my horses to my chariot. I'm going down to the battlefield, and uh, I don't even care what Zeus does. Well, Athena then stands up and says, no, 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 no. You need to think this through a little bit. We don't need Zeus angry at all of us. We don't need you having a thunderbolt hit you. We don't need a new war god. Think for a moment. Very interesting uh, moment where thought prevails on Olympus. In any case, Ares listens. Hera then sends Iris and Apollo to Zeus on Mount Ida as he had instructed her to do so. Zeus then tells Iris to tell Poseidon to leave or suffer an attack by Zeus, who is far greater in strength and older. And So Iris needs to go down now to Poseidon. And tell him to his face that Zeus has commanded him off the battlefield, or Zeus will fight mano y mano, hand to hand against Poseidon. But with the message from Zeus, I will defeat you, Poseidon, because I am older and stronger than you are. So Poseidon is being explicitly threatened by his brother. He's being told, get off the field. Not a question. All right. And so, this is how it goes down. Iris is sent down to Poseidon. She tells him that Zeus commands him off because Zeus is stronger and older. Interesting moment here. 
Only in Homer is Zeus the eldest of the Olympian gods. In all the other accounts he, uh, that we have mythologically, he is the youngest of the gods, which makes perfect sense because all of his siblings have been eaten by Kronos, and he saves them all by giving Kronos a, uh, a, uh, a purgative. It's a drug that makes you vomit. Um, and so they're all vomited back up. But in this myth, he is the eldest. And so when he claims that he is stronger and older, Poseidon becomes enraged. He's very upset by this. And he claims, actually it's the case that Poseidon, Hades, and Zeus are all equal because when Kronos was defeated, they drew lots. They had a game of chance, like dice or flipping a coin. And when they drew lots, they drew for three different parts of existence. The underworld. Hades won that. Won that. Scare quotes. The earth and the sea. Poseidon won that. That's sort of the human realm. And the sky and the heavens, Zeus won that. So the only reason he's the king over the gods, according to Poseidon, is because he won a game of chance. And yet, well, we might want to question whether that is actually, uh, whether even though Zeus won his, his rank as sky god from a game of chance, whether it is the fact that, hmm, how do I put this? Regardless of whether he randomly won the sky from Poseidon, does that make him any weaker than Poseidon? No. He claims that he's stronger. Is he stronger? Well, look at Poseidon's response here. Iris hears Poseidon say, uh, we're equal. Why don't you go tell Zeus that? And she says, you really want me to go back to Zeus and tell him that you are all equal so that he comes down here and you two fight. That's, that's what you want. And Poseidon thinks about that. And she, she adds a little bit. She says, you do know that the Furies, and the Furies are like super demons in Greek mythology, uh, that they attack people who have harmed their family members. And so, how Iris convinces Poseidon not to fight Zeus is she says, the Furies will probably side with the Elder. And so, you might want to consider that. Poseidon says, okay, but if Zeus does not make Troy fall. Athena, Harry, Hermes, Hephaestus, and myself will rebel. And that's all we have time for today.